Praise God. Father, we just approach your word. We approach it reverently. We approach it humbly. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of gathering together in your name to feed on your faithfulness. We pray that our eyes would be flooded with light, our hearts would be strengthened, our souls would be encouraged today. We give you praise for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated, and uh, oh, I'd like for you to open your Bibles this morning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And uh, we will be having communion uh, this morning at the end of the service as well. And... Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. I kind of had this rolling around in my heart. Uh, and the message that I want to bring to you this morning is called Keys to Being Kept. Keys to Being Kept. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse uh, 23, uh, it says here, And the very God of peace sanctify us wholly. Aren't you glad that He is the God of peace and not the God of stress? He is the God of rest and not the God of restlessness. Amen. The very God of peace, the very God of shalom, sanctify you. The word sanctify there means separate you completely. And I pray God, your whole, now notice this, spirit, soul, and body. He did not say body, soul, and spirit. He said spirit, soul, and body. That's significant because we are not a body. Body should not be first. The spirit man under the lordship of the father of spirits is always first place. Amen. Spirit, soul, and body. Say this with me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a physical body. And so this prayer is that our whole spirit, our whole soul, and our whole body. Now notice this phrase would be preserved, would be preserved or kept, kept, preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice with me in the next verse, it says, faithful is he that has called you who will also do it. So it is the will of God for us to be kept, to be preserved in our entire spirit, soul, and body until the Lord returns. And he says, I'm faithful if you will trust me to perform this in your life. God is able to keep you. Amen. He is able to keep you. He is able to preserve you. You know, the saints of God are not pickled. We're preserved. We're kept intact until the trumpet sounds. In the Amplified, it says, Faithful is he who is calling you to himself and utterly trustworthy, and he will also do it, fulfill his call by hallowing and keeping you. Amen. So we are to be kept intact, kept healthy, kept safe. He will keep us fit for the master's use. Now, I enjoy the definition that Thayer has of the word preserved. It means to attend to carefully, to take care of, and to guard. Mr. Strong says this, of that word preserved, means to guard from loss or injury injury, uh, properly by keeping his eye upon us. He keeps his eye upon his children. 
He keeps his eye upon his sons and daughters. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are loyal and whose hearts are faithful to him. When you are faithful and you are loyal to him, you position yourself for your father's care for your life. Amen. Oh, that's good news. The eyes of the Lord. He shows himself strong to those so that he may support them. Support them. I love what the scripture says, that he will never give us up. He will never relax his hold on us. He will never leave us without support. Oh man, feel supported today. Lift your hands up and thank God for the support of your good, good father. Now, what do we say in response to that? We say, hey, thank God the Lord's my helper. In every time of need, I trust in him. I am not afraid. What can man do to me? What can circumstance do to me? If God be for me, who can be against me? Amen. His loving care is ours forever. And Luke even says this, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. And then he says, don't be afraid. Why? Because you are of more value than a sparrow. You're better than a bird. You know, if he clothes the lilies of the field and he feeds birds by the billions every day, are you not much better than they? Amen. Amen. So he tells us, hey, don't sweat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about where you're going to live, where you're going to hang your hat. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. And so he says, just put me first, son. Put me first, daughter. And I will see to it that all these other things are added unto you. Can you say praise the Lord? Now in Deuteronomy chapter 32, and I want you to look at... uh, um, I think it is in verse 10. It's speaking of his people. Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter. You don't really need to to put it up there. It's fine. Let me just quote it to you. Speaking of his people, he refers to his people as the apple of his eye. He refers to them as the apple of his eye. He found him in a desert land. And in the waste howling wilderness, he led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Now the phrase, I looked at something the other day, the apple of my eye refers to something or someone that one cherishes above all others. You're loved. You're cherished. You are the apple of his eye. So I want to look at the first key then to being kept. The first key to being kept is to have faith in his keeping power. Trust his keeping power. Have confidence that not only he is able, but he is willing and well, well uh, favored to keep you, to protect you. In second, I think it's in, let's see, let me look at it. 
in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's look over there and let's look at all of the first five verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Paul, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout the Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Now I want you to read verse 5 with me. Here's our first key to being kept. Ready, read. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Pay particular attention to that phrase that we are kept by the power of God. So there's no doubt that his power is everywhere present. There's no doubt that he is omnipotent, that he is all-powerful. But it is our responsibility to cooperate with his keeping power. We could say this, that faith activates the preserving power of God in the life of a believer. I'm going to say that again. Faith activates the preserving power of God in the life of the believer. Now, we've looked at this in weeks past, that he is literally upholding all things by the power of his word. So if he's upholding this entire universe by the power of his word, don't you suppose he can take care of your PG&E bill? Since he's upholding all things by the power of his word, he can take care of your lost relatives. Amen. 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 He is surely upholding those that trust him and his upkeeping and his lifting power for their lives. So key number one is I am kept by the power of God through faith. Now, have you ever heard of a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul, he fought a lot of battles. Mm-hmm. He, he faced a lot of distress. He faced a lot of persecution. But at the very end of his life, he was very keenly aware that his departure was at hand. He knew that he was about to take his flight. We could say that when he penned this, when he wrote this, he was at the airport. He was at the airport, and he was getting ready to take off. Yeah, okay. So um, let's, let's take a look at what he said. You don't need to do anything with the air, guys. I'm just a little warm. I'm good. Let's look over at Second uh, Peter chapter 4, and notice what Paul said in verse 7. Second Timothy chapter 4, ver- chapter 4, verse 7. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what he said. I have fought. What kind of fight? 
I fought a good fight. You know what the definition of a good fight is? Definition of a good fight is the one that you win. Amen. So Paul says, I have fought a good fight. He faced a lot of battles, but he won a lot of battles. Matter of fact, he's the one who said, nay, in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. He said, I've fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Don't you know that there's a big difference between your course finishing you and you finishing your course? In other words, when Paul was ready to get on having airlines, he wasn't going out burnt out. He was not going out a victim. He was going out a victor. That's a big difference there. So he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course and I have kept the faith. I just saw this. If you will keep the faith, your faith will keep you. Say that with me. If I will keep the faith, my faith will keep me. Now let's qualify that. It's not that your faith is so great and so awesome and so wonderful, but what your faith is in and who your faith is in is what's awesome. Our faith is in him. Our faith is in Jesus. Our faith is not in our faith. It's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have faith in the power of God. Faith in his keeping power. Hallelujah. And so he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Let me ask you something. Is it important for you to fulfill and to finish all that God's called you to do? Do you suppose that we'll answer, have to answer to the Lord on what he has instructed us to do when we get there? Amen. Let there be no unfinished business in our lives. Let there be no unfinished kingdom business that the king has called upon us to do. So he says, well, I'm not exactly sure what God's called me to do. Well, one thing he's called you to do, he's called you to pray. Amen? So he said, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now, one thing about the Apostle Paul was this. He was not a wimp. Paul was a fighter. He was a fighter. And if we're going to be kept by the power of God through faith... We must be fighters. Not fighting one another. Not fighting devils and demons. No, but another kind of fight. And I want to introduce that fight to you this morning. So look over at 1 Timothy chapter 6. And notice with me over in uh, the 12th verse. Paul was a fighter. To make it through, you must be a fighter. This gets mighty quiet when you start talking about being a fighter. Well, but Pastor Mark, I'm, I'm kind of the passive type. 
I'm a, I'm, I'm a conscientious objector in the realm of the spirit. There's no such an animal. No. <laughs> notice with me in verse 12. Now notice this phrase again, good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto you have been called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. So we see here, be a fighter. But in order to fight properly, we need to know what we are fighting. Right? Yeah. Amen. I mean, if, if, if I'm called into a fight and I'm in the U.S. military, I need to know what I'm fighting. I need to know what my enemy is and who my enemy is. We must know what we are fighting. Now, don't let these next few moments before communion be too simple to you because many Christians have a wrong idea on what they're fighting. And if you're fighting the wrong thing, then you're not getting the right results. I'm going to say that again. If you're fighting the wrong thing, you'll not get the right results. Fight the good fight of faith. You are kept by the power of God through faith. So, fighting the good fight of faith. Let's talk about, first of all, what it's not. You know, sometimes the best way you can find out what something is, by first and foremost, looking at what it is not. Fighting the good fight of faith is not fighting symptoms. Fighting the good fight of faith is not fighting the devil. We are not to fight the devil. Jesus already whooped him for us. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy, dissolve, undo the works of him that had the power of death. That is the devil. I'm here to announce to you that when Jesus rose from the dead and he took the, 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 the keys of death, hell, and the grave and rose triumphantly, the enemy has been eternally defeated Amen. by the eternal Son of the living God. The Bible says that he went in and obtained an eternal redemption for us. Once and for all, the blood has been shed, the price has been paid, the enemy has been defeated, Jesus has rose, he's raised you up, so we are not fighting for victory, we are fighting from victory. We are not fighting a defeated foe, we are simply enforcing his defeat by keeping our feet on top of his head. Amen. So fighting the good fight of faith is not renting a bunch of airplanes and going up over the San Francisco Bay Area and, you know, pulling down strongholds and and praying against this and praying against that. No, there is spiritual warfare. We do that in the realm of the spirit. But fighting the good fight of faith is not fighting symptoms of cancer. It is not fighting symptoms of lack. It is not fighting a defeated foe. If the enemy can get you on the wrong channel or get you into the wrong fight, you'll never win. 
Fighting the good fight of faith is fighting to stay in faith. I mean, once you've laid hold of the Word of God. See, it says lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold of the Word of God. Believe what God's Word says and receive it for yourselves. And then fight to stay in the faith zone and to keep out of the fear zone. Fight to stay out of the reasoning zone and into the revelation zone. Part of this fight of faith is resisting fear. It's casting down imaginations. Like I said just a moment ago, it's fighting to stay out of the reasoning and fear realm and staying in the faith zone. Say it with me, fighting the good fight of faith is fighting from victory and not victory. Not for victory. The best example of fighting the good fight of faith and whooping up on the enemy is Jesus himself. Now, let's track this through just a few more moments. We don't have a a lot of time because we're going to do communion this morning. But how many of you are believing with me? I believe some of you already got some revelation. Get your affections off the enemy and off the symptoms and look unto me, says the Lord. Look away from all that would distract unto me. Look unto me in my word. Discover who you are and what you have. Discover what I've already done for you. And open up your heart and believe it and receive it. And hold fast to it, says the Lord. Keep your mind on me and I will keep you in perfect peace. I will keep you in perfect strength and in perfect health, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. See, it's, it's a shift. It's a, it's a mindset. See, to set our mind on the symptoms and to set our mind on the attacks puts us in fear and in frenzy. Oh, but to set your mind on things above. Amen. To set your mind upon Jehovah Rapha, your healer. To set your mind on Jehovah Jireh, your provider. To set your mind on Jehovah Shalom, the Lord your peace. Come on, somebody. To set your mind on Jehovah Raha, the Lord is present in your life. That is when you will receive and get some awesome results. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, set your mind on things above. Now, I think I can do this in about eight minutes, so believe God with me. Look at the Amplified Version in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Where it says, fight the good fight of the faith, lay hold of the eternal life to which you were summoned. That means you were summoned. Amen. Anybody ever been summoned to be a juror? Anybody ever been summoned to appear in court? Well, you, by the courts of the high heavens, have been summoned, hallelujah, to lay hold of the Zoe kind of life. For which you were summoned and for which you confessed the good confession of faith before many witnesses. Now let's just talk about this word lay hold. Lay hold for a moment. Here's more insight to what this fight is all about. Lay hold. Why, pastor? Lay hold because something else is trying to get get it away from you. In other words, hold fast. Don't let anybody or anything 
take away from you what you've already laid hold of. Declare it with me this morning real strong and say, I am a good faith fighter. And in the context of that verse, we also see that one way that we fight the good fight of faith is with a good confession. A good confession. Is it important what we believe and say? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Was it important when Jesus was faced with the temptation in the wilderness that he knew what was written? The enemy came along and tempted him with this and tempted with that. What did Jesus do? He said, it is written. But he didn't just say it is written once. He said it is written three times. He put the devil on the run. Now listen, with a sharp two-edged sword. Say that with me. He put the devil on the run with a sharp two-edged sword. It's what John saw when he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He saw in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. It's the sword of the spirit. Now remember when Paul was addressing the church at Ephesus, the last piece of the armor that he was instructed to take was the sword of the spirit, which is what? Take the sword of the spirit which is the Word of God. Now, the sword of the Spirit doesn't come out of your side like in a sheath. The sword of the Spirit comes of the implanted Word that's on the inside of you. And so when the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, you don't have to go like this. You simply open up your mouth, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak, and it is as a sword where the enemy is concerned. Oh, hallelujah! That's easy to see, isn't it? That's easy to understand. Oh, we're making progress right now. Now look at verse 13 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. And let's notice here, again, Jesus is our example of holding fast to a good confession. He says, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickens all things. And before Christ Jesus, now notice, who before who? Are we awake, class? Who before who? Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. The message says this. I'm charging you before the life-giving God and before Christ, who took his stand, fighting the good fight of faith, being kept by the power of God, being upheld by the Lord who is your keeper, means we must take a stand. He took his stand before Pontius Pilate. And I love how it says this. He didn't give him an inch. Doesn't the Bible say neither give place to the devil. You give that rat an inch, he'll try to take a mile. So Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. And you can read these in John 18 and John 19. And Pontius Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews. Paraphrasing, here's what the master said. Yeah, you say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I've come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Did Jesus back down from who he was? 
Did Jesus give Pontius Pilate an inch? Can't you just see the master standing there? I mean, our high priest of our confession, our example, our champion, our victor, our Lord, knowing what he was about to face. Can't you just see the confidence? Can't you just sense the boldness? Yeah, I'm the king of the Jews. And I'm not apologizing about it. I am who you say I am. And then later on, Pilate says, well, hey, Mr. King, don't you know that I've got the power to crucify you? And I've got the power to release you? (laughs) Jesus just stood up and said, look, all I need to do is call on my dad. I need to call on my father and my heavenly father will send down legions of angels and he will deliver me. Here's what he said. You can have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Woo! Glory to God. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Here is a picture, in closing, of Jesus Christ with unswerving faith. He's looking Pilate right in the face. He's looking death in the face. And he says, you have no power. You and I face Pilates of our own. It might be debt stacking up. It may be a life-threatening disease. But we must not flinch and we must not give the devil an inch and look it square in the face and tell those things, you have no power because I've received power from on high. And greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Oh, friends, you see this this morning. When the enemy comes along to tell him you are a, tell you you are a victim, you tell him you're a victor. When he comes along to tell you you are helpless and in this situation there's nothing you can do, just rise up in faith, look him square in the face and tell that depression, tell that disease, tell that lack, you've got no power over me. For Jesus gave me power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt me. Stand up, everybody. Let's give God praise this morning. Woo, that's a synopsis of about a 90-minute sermon in about 30 minutes. Did you get it? Are you going to do it? Let's raise our hands and let's just love the Lord. Let's declare this with me. Nay, in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loves me. Well, let's just pray a little bit. Come on. Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. And so be kept. Be held up. Be encouraged by my power, says the Lord of hosts. Use your faith daily. Do not wait until a severe test comes to rise up and use your faith. 
but speak my word daily and speak my word only. And when those things come to try to detract you away from me and try to get you off track, you just say, no, Mr. Devil, I've got my mind on him. All day, all day, I'm keeping my mind on the Lord all day. And I believe in my heart that the Lord is keeping me today because he has told me that I can have what I believe and have what I say. Amen. Amen. So say with me all day, all day day long, long. I'm singing a brand new song. song. I've got my mind mind. on the Lord Lord. all all day. Now just put your hands out like this and say, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you for your keeping power to keep my spirit, keep my soul, keep my body, keep me intact, Lord, that I may serve you in this generation and be a blessing to those around me. In Jesus' name.